Good morning. Man, can we give our worship team and our seniors one more round of applause? Thank you so much. So uh, every year when um, they ask me to give a charge to the seniors, it's that difficult task of giving a charge to the seniors, but also making sure that everyone in here, um, adult uh, as well, uh, walks away with a piece of God's word that you can apply to your life. And our message this morning is focusing on wisdom. And I would dare to say that everyone in this room uh, would be guilty of, at times trusting in our own abilities, not seeking out wisdom. Anytime that I go to Lynn, Lynn, our, um, our campus pastor who took the shot uh, at me being from Alabama, uh, understandably so. Uh, he's a Tennessee fan. There's a lot of bitterness. Um, VCRs were popular the last time you guys beat us. So I, I get, um, I, I, I get, I get it. But uh, anytime I need wisdom, I, and I go to Lynn's office, because Lynn has, um, I mean, Lynn's in his mid-80s, 90-something. Um, uh <laughs> but any time that I go into Lynn's office, because I recognize um, he has been doing this a long time, and I don't go in and say, hey, uh, can I get your advice on something? I, I always say, can you give me wisdom on this? And I will sit, and I will listen, and I try to learn. Uh, every time I make a mistake, and that is quite often, uh, any time that it comes to anything organizational um, or anything. Let's just say any, anything. I can, you know, I'm amazed we fed everybody at 830 this morning. Uh, it was not for the help uh, or not for the lack of help from Miss Diane and Miss Amanda and Mr. Jason. Thank you so much because if it was been left up to me, uh, we would have had cups. Like we had cups. I remember cups. But wisdom is something so important, seniors, that I cannot stress enough. And in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 6, listen to this. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Wisdom is very important because a lot of times when we start making decisions on our own and we start that, I'll, I'll have students come up to me a lot and say, I'm stressed out because I don't know where God wants me to go to college and I've been praying, God, where do you want me to go to college? And I'm like, okay, how, how are you relying on the answer for that? Like, do you have a map and like you just throw darts and wherever that dart lands, it's like, okay, God, that's where you want me to go to college. Um, and then you go to your parents and you say, hey, I'm going to college in East Asia. Um, and they look at you like, how'd you come to this decision? Not me, God, I threw a dart. It landed on the map. That's where I'm going to college. You just need to pay for it. So that's um, not what I'm talking about. What I tell students is like, hey, to take some pressure off of you, realize this, wherever you go to college or work, or whatever ball field you are on, God is more worried about, and in a way, of you guys bringing glory to his name wherever he sends you. 
If you decide to go to TCU, God's not going to strike you dead. God's wanting you to go there to make an impact on his campus for his name, to make him famous wherever you guys go. And the passage this morning that God had given me, or has given me, by the way, if I make grammar mistakes, uh, I will confess I'm from Alabama. I blame it on the state, not me. I was born there, um, and, and they just taught me how to cheer for national championships. That's all they did in school. So, um, <laughs> he did at UAB too. That's, let me slide through. Um, the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, I learned as I was studying for it, is one of the most read passages in the entire Bible. But it is one of the least preached on passages for some reason. And I'm like, man, I wonder why. It's the most read, but it's the least preached on. And you guys all know it in Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That's the passage that's at least preached on. And I'm, thought, I'm thinking, man, that's the one that I would think we need the most. But when we, when we look at this verse, this is taking every ounce of who we are out of the equation and putting every ounce of who God is in the limelight. It's saying God's wisdom is more important than culture. It's saying that God's wisdom is more important than anything that your youth pastor could possibly tell you or anybody that you pass through life. And you're going to get some wonderful wisdom. You get it from your parents. You get it from your grandparents. You get it from a lot of people. But all of that wisdom put together cannot replace the wisdom that God has for you in every word of the Bible that we look into hopefully every day. So this morning I want to talk to you and I want to talk to you, church, about wisdom and why these verses can be so challenging. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for these seniors. Thank you for the worship that we have had already. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for this church, Lord, this community that you have put together and that you have grown and built. Um, Lord, I pray that we take what we know, what we've learned, what we have out into this community where there are so many people who are living without hope. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and his mercy, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. White snake, I know that's probably not a word, a band name that you probably thought about you would hear in church. We're not going to do one of their songs, so don't worry about that. But white snake is a band, and they have a song called Here I Go Again, and you guys probably consider it classic rock. I understand that. But it was a song that was popular in, in our days. And here's some lyrics from that song. And, and they're not, like, this is culture. And this is, like, so against what God is trying to teach us. But it is a popular song, very popular song. Here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone, which right there is an absolute culture thing, not a God thing. And I've made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time. And that's not me butchering grammar. That's what the song says. You can go back and listen to it. Culture will teach you guys, do what feels best. Do what makes you the most happy. Do what makes you the most comfortable. And the problem with that at times is culture will look at what the Bible says and it will still throw that at you knowing that it's directly against the Bible. I had a college student uh, call me 
uh, they, in a, they were part of one of the recent graduating classes. Uh, they actually texted me like, Brian, uh, and, and that's just how we communicate. When I text these students, uh, a lot of times I just make up nicknames because there's so many of them, and I just have such a horrible memory, right? And when I text them, I text them that way, like Madison Byram. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever called her Madison. I just say Byram. Uh, or Annalise, I just say bro. Um, and she gets that. It's a language, right? So this student texts me, Brian. I'm like, that's riveting. That's awesome. I'm excited, pumped up. I was like, yes. And it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have listened to you more. And then boom, 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 boom. That's all they say. So I get to college and I hear all this and they're telling me there's no such thing as God. And I know there's such thing as God, but everybody is so overwhelming to me because like, no, I don't think anybody believes in God in any of the classes I'm in. I'm like, congratulations, welcome to the world. Like, we're in this protective bubble, right? We've been raised in church. We've grown up in church. In our families, you sit down for a meal, and, and we pray before the meal, and it's, it's God uh, talked about a lot. Or um, maybe at times, I know when I was growing up, it wasn't after church. Normally, it wasn't a lot of talking about God. It was like talking about people in the church, right? And I'm like, this is very uplifting. That was a wonderful sermon we listened to. Um, so, or talking about the preacher, that's a popular one. But the thing about it is, this culture will tell you, do what feels right to you. And I've always told you guys, Christianity is not about feeling. It is faith. There's a lot of things in this Bible that I don't have figured out. This is why in Deuteronomy it says, deeper things belong to God. I don't have all the answers, and I don't boast on that to have all the answers. But the Bible is the only absolute truth, only resource that I can trust for absolute truth. But I'm telling you students, and I'm telling you, you can talk to every, this is a beautiful thing, like student sections here, but what gives me, and this is amazing, I love it, but what gives me even more hope and makes me so happy inside, if you shift your vision to over here, like these are students who have graduated from here and they're here. And I can't help but to tear up when they go here and they go to Jimbo and the college ministry. I'm like, they're still here because Lifeway had come, out, come up with the statistic that 70% or even higher uh, students who graduate don't return to the church. So this gives me hope because this is a lot of college students on our first two rows and they're still here. They haven't left. But if you were to talk to every, every one of them, I guarantee you they could tell you a story because now they're getting wisdom. Now they're learning they can't lean on their own understanding. Now they get the full meaning of what it is to trust God. Because it's a lot of times it's easy when we're in this protective bubble. It's easy when everybody around us is talking about the same thing. That's why camp and Freedom Weekend and fall retreats, that's why everybody comes back so excited because everybody has the same thing in common. Like when we go to summer camp in July, like you don't have to worry about it. Like everybody there, maybe they don't have a relationship with Christ, but they're not probably going to try to take culture and push it on you. So you're going to have a worship team. You're going to have a speaker. Everybody around you, you're going to be happy. You're going to be reading every day. You're going to be in God's word every day. And then you come back and you know how it is because then it's like, boom, real life hits. That's nothing compared to the way real life hits when you go here. And some of them are shaking their heads up and down. Trusting in God and leaning not on your understanding. So to tackle this passage, we're just going to tackle it the way that it was written. 
First, we're going to look about trusting the Lord. Because it is really difficult to trust God in all things. Listen to me. If you are in this church this morning, and you are disagreeing with what I just said, when I said it is really difficult to trust God in all things, please meet me after church so I can hang out with you more. Because this one is incredibly tough. I mean, do you ever feel that way? It's one thing to trust God in the big abstract things like salvation or our eternal destiny, okay? That, those are easy to trust. I know I can't control those things, so I'm just going to give those things to God, right? That's normally how we start making a list. When we say, well, I can't control this. God, I'm going to let you have this. We don't say that out loud. But the other things are when our lives fall apart or, or these little things that happen that doesn't make sense to us. Instead of going to God and trying to figure this out or allowing him to speak to us and talk to us and direct us and put us on the straight path, we fall back and we rely on everything that we can control. No, well, we'll pray about it. And we'll do a good job of Hey, God, you know what? My world's really messed up right now. I'm failing my first semester of college. My parents are going to kill me. Baseball's really hard. Baseball, softball, everything. This is crushing me. How do I balance all my schedule? And then all of a sudden you say that prayer and you open your eyes and you go into control mode. What can I control? What can I control? And when it doesn't start working out the way that you want it to start working out, then you fall apart even more. And the last thing that we do, because we're so prideful at times, we were born this way, is a lot of times we start trying to lean on our understanding of what makes sense. And we look about everybody else in the room and we're like, okay, why don't they have it figured out? I'm going to take a lot of pressure off everybody in here this morning. There isn't a breathing human being in this room, I feel comfortable enough to say, that has it all together. Just, uh, you don't, you may think you do. And you may think you have everything in firm control. And you make your list and you're like, oh, life's going just the way that I want it to go. Because this is the way that I planned it to go. And this is the way I'm controlling it to go. And then, boom, God says, hey, let me show you just how much you aren't in control. And then our world start falling apart. It's easy to trust in the big abstract things. But can I really trust God when it comes to my children's safety? Which is something that I'm having to deal with a lot. Do I really trust in God on meeting my deadlines at work? Or balancing my checkbook? Or making sure that I'm still employed? Making sure that my marriage is fixed? Making sure that my friendships are fixed? Making sure that my relationships are fixed? Do I trust God in those things? Because a lot of times we like to think that we have firm control of all those. So it's kind of like we have that attitude of, Hey, God, I'm going to give you a break. Like, I know you're looking down and you care about me. I know what your word says, but you've got a lot to deal with and a lot of people to deal with. And God, I, I can't even deal with my family at the time, so I know you need a break. And God has to be laughing, don't you think? Like, God has a sense of humor, right? I look at myself in the mirror and don't you laugh? Because I'm looking from up here, and 
I could be laughing, but I'm not. <laughs> I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, God made such a screwed up person. Like, but he doesn't make mistakes. And it really confuses me at times. Because I'll watch my sermon, but I'm aware of my horrible grammar. It's not something that's like just your gift of hearing my bad grammar. And you're like, oh, if only he knew. I know. <laughs> I'm reminded every staff meeting. <laughs> that I say seen instead of saw. And I'm trying to get it together. And I'm like, man. So I look in the mirror and I'm like, God, am I really? Did you really create me this ignorant? So I look at the things that are right in my life that are smart. I'm an Alabama fan. Check. Smart. Right? Like you have a choice. Like you choose to be Tennessee fans. That's you. <laughs> Which is why when you look in the mirror, you should say, God, why am I so screwed up? <laughs> but I look. A lot of times, and I look at my failures, and a lot of times that is where the enemy will want you to camp out. Because we know, and I've told you for four years since I've been here, a lot of you have had the whole four years. And you could tell me what John 10, 10 says. I could say that the enemy comes to what? Oh, say it louder for the people in the back. He just wants to destroy Everything about us, who we are, what we believe in. He doesn't care about your parents. He doesn't care about your grandparents. He doesn't care about your tears. He doesn't care about your heartache. He doesn't care about the things that you are trapped in. Does not care. Doesn't care about your grades. Doesn't care about your finances. Doesn't care about how when you get to college and you're in that first semester and things start falling apart, he's laughing. And he is going to want you to stay in that moment. You take just this year. Let's do a little experiment for you guys. You guys can do it as well because we're all victims. Just take just this year. You could dial it back to even this week, last month, or two months, whatever it is. But we're going to take the whole year. And you think about your biggest failure. And ask yourself, how long have I lived in that failure? Like every time I think then I am over it, every time I think that I have the ability to move past it, for some reason I will sit in my bed or, or lay on the floor or I'll be at church and all of a sudden these thoughts come back to my mind that I am such a failure because I have disappointed my parents. I have disappointed my friends. I have disappointed whoever it is in my life because of this failure. And you just focus on it. And at times you worship it because you don't know how to move past it. And even when you move past it, the enemy is there. That's what he does. He wants you to stay there. The last thing he wants you to do is trust in the Lord who has all the answers. The scripture's not short of examples of what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Noah built a great big boat in the middle of a dry land where there wasn't a cloud in the sky despite all the ridicule of his neighbors. Why? Just because God said so. Abraham packing up everything and leaving his homeland where he was 80 years old. Why? Because God told him to. Ordinary Christians declaring that Jesus is Lord in a Roman Empire which only recognized one Lord at that time and his name was Caesar. That's why Psalms 
37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. That is directly against what the enemy wants for you in your life. And when you get to college, just the way it is for us who are in the workforce or wherever we are living our lives, we know what it feels like to live in failures. And we know what it's like to try to control that about our lives. So we try and do a lot of good things to make up for our one big failure that God has already forgiven us for. That we went to God and said, God, I'm sorry. I failed. I disappointed. I repent. And God said, get up. Let's go. That's God. It's like when the enemy comes to you with guilt and shame and living in a failure, you, can, you have the ability to look at him and say, how far is it from east to the west? Because that's how wide God's love and mercy and forgiveness stretches. But to do that, we totally have to trust in the Lord. But let's contemplate the words trust in the Lord. You see, when we trust in something, we're placing our security in that entity. For example, you may absolutely trust your earthly father, which means you have total and complete confidence in him, his integrity, his ability, and his good character because you know him and you have a relationship with him. You trust in him because you know he will do what's best for you. However, is that the same level of trust that we are placing in our heavenly Father, because he is the one that we can trust ultimately with every part of our life. And if I'm being honest, I would admit at times it's harder to trust God than it is man. Even though man will always let us down. Only God is perfectly trustworthy and faithful. Yet if I do not take time to get to know him, I'm never going to be good at trusting him. And the proof that we are trusting in God to act is that if he doesn't act, we will fall flat on our faces. So I'll ask you, seniors what and adults, what have you done in the last week, last month, last year, which has depended for success or failure on the intervention of Almighty God? What have you done where the outcome would have been so different depending on whether God actually existed or not? See, we're trusting in God with all our hearts when the only thing we have to boast about is not our wisdom or our strength or our riches, but simply that we know God and he knows us. Admitting that we are not God, not in control, not running anything, not responsible for everyone's well-being, not the solution for everything and everyone, and we're not at the center of all things. Students, does not belittle us. That frees us. So trust in God. And it's going to be hard. And it is really hard. And the only way that I know the wisdom that I can pass down is I gain more trust and more trust and more trust the more time I spend with him in his word and in prayer. And when I stop leaning on my own understanding, which is our second point. So most of the time we're guilty of not relying on God for what we do. We rely on human understanding. We rely on our natural abilities, our skills, and all our experience. And we rely on our bank accounts where it's always there to fall back on if things don't go as planned. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am 
the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. When I was at UAB, my Irish literature teacher come up to me. Yes, I took that class, believe it or not. I know some of you were probably out there like, he took Irish literature? Yeah. Failed it, but I took it. Teacher come up to me, man, and, 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 and at this time, I already knew. You know how it is when somebody comes and tells you, you know when you get that news that you already knew? You know the cop, Captain Obvious commercials, right? You see those. My teacher come up to me and said, Mr. Brian, can I, can I talk to you? And I was like, absolutely, man. I know what it's going to be about. He's like, what? I'm failing this class. He's like, how do you know that? I was like, because I failed every test. I'm not stupid, Yeah. <laughs> I know based on my grade, you have come to the conclusion that maybe I am. But I am here to prove to you by this conversation, I am not. He's like, well, I just wanted you to understand. And I was like, understood. He's like, you have an option. And I said, to drop this class? He's like, how do you know? Because I've already done it. I don't even know if that was correct grammar or what I just used. But I, I, I did it. I dropped your class. I didn't listen to the teacher. I didn't put effort into the work. I leaned on my own understanding. I mean, why would we trust our limited understanding when we can trust the unlimited understanding of God? I know that's a question I ask myself all the time. And there's going to be times, man, when your life falls apart. There are going to be times when you lay on your floor in your dorm and you're out of money. You're eating ramen noodles and, and like, that's the only thing you have to eat. And you're too proud to ask your parents for money. Or maybe you're, not, maybe you're like, hey, send me a hundred bucks, man. Or, or a box of ramen noodles. I'll take either one. And our life falls apart and we can't understand. So we go back into control mode and we start leaning on our understanding. Because when we screw up or we walk through a storm and when life doesn't just make sense, then we start leaning on everything that we think we know. Lean not on your understanding. As one pastor said, it's basically a saying that your own understanding isn't sturdy enough to accommodate the weight of God's calling on your life. You can't lean on your own understanding. You don't know what God is up to. You don't know where God is going to take you. You don't have the ability to see that far. God does. That's why we can trust in him. So if you start leaning on your understanding, then the light and momentary affliction you're walking through, if you stop leaning on your control and your understanding, the storms, everything that's going on, will cause you to lose heart. If you're like walking through the storm and you're like control mode and you're leaning on your own understanding, it is going to lead, I promise you, to losing heart. But if you stop leaning on your own understanding and you stop trusting in God, and if you really believe that he is directing your paths, then you know the gates of hell cannot prevail against the purpose of God. You see, to lean not on your understanding is to lean completely into the strong arms of God, strong arms of God's holding. It means to not rely on ourselves, essentially letting go of what we think we know and letting God take the helm of what He perfectly knows. We need to ask God to guide us, not just go on doing what seems best in our own eyes, because when we trust in Him and we lean on our understanding, we acknowledge Him in all our ways or submit to Him in all our ways. He is the one that makes our paths 
straight. So how do we know that the Lord is making our path straight? It is very important to Christians that we do not get sucked into the wrong ways of looking at life. Here's what we do as Christians. Here's how we dictate if God is happy with us or not happy with us. When we fail, we say, oh, God's not happy with us. So we go into the control thing. How can we make God happier with us? I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to go to church more. All these things. And we're like, if I can get all that balanced out, if I can get all that in shape, because I haven't really been doing all those things. So God, mad at me so that's why I'm failing when good things happen we're like oh man God's so proud of me I've been to church every Sunday every we boast about it we're happy about it we make up cheers about it and we want people to see us I'm here and I'm doing the right thing you're not Because I'm trusting God. I'm doing what God wants me to do. So apparently, happy with me, not happy with you. (laughs) And that's how we think God's love works. That he honestly is sitting up there looking at every failure that we walk through. Knowing that we're going to lean. This passage is in there because he knows that we're not going to do it. We need help with it. We need more than other humans' help with it. This is only divine intervention. This is only coming from a God that we can trust and say, okay, God, here's where I'm at. I'm so sick of trying to control things because I am failing, obviously. I have taken my eyes off you, so I'm here to lay it all down at your feet and the failures and the shame and the guilt that the enemy keeps wanting me to live in. And I'm declaring on this day, I am not in control. And I'm not asking you to do that on the times when you're walking through storms or you're failing. I'm asking you to do that on the times you think God's happy with you. There's absolutely nothing. Nothing that you can do, seniors. Listen to me. If you only hear another word I say this morning, there's absolutely zero. Nothing that you can do to make God love you more. Take the pressure off, man. Whatever your biggest failure was this year, and you took it to God and you gave it to Him, it's gone. Period. As you guys say. Did I use that right? Awesome. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. But listen to this freeing thing. And this is not to abuse grace. This is not for you to go live the way that you want to live. Here's the thing that frees us most. There's also nothing that you guys can do that's going to make him love you less. I know that we're used to that in human understanding. We jump into relationships and we have to do certain things to make that person love us more. And if we don't do certain things, that person loves us less. You know what I'm talking about? God's up there saying, I just love you. And when I say it, it is forever. No matter how much good you do, no matter how many times you fall on your face, no matter how many times you're in your floor crying, no matter how many times that you're sitting there without the answers, I can promise you that. 
God is sitting up there looking directly down on you, saying, trust in me, lean not on your understanding, acknowledge me, submit to me in all your ways. Let me make your paths straight. We're talking about Jesus, whose greatest triumph only comes through his ultimate sacrifice. Students, we can trust him. Church, we can trust him. We can trust the one who knows the end since the beginning. In all your ways, submit to him. Not some ways, not half ways, not with this or that, but in all ways, trust in him. And here's the thing. What you have to come to, as the band comes back to the stage, what you have to figure out is what I told you guys on Wednesday night. The ultimate starting point to figure out if you're trusting in God is to look at the throne and ask yourself, what is on that throne? What is it that I'm worshiping? Whether I'm in college, whether I'm in high school, whether I just graduated, whether I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, it doesn't matter. What is on your throne? Louis Giglio gave a great quote one time, and I read this all the time, and it says this. It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. At the end of that trail, you're going to find a throne, and whatever or whoever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you, and on that throne is what you worship. I'm asking you to put God directly on that throne where he deserves to be. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. I don't want you to just quote it verbally. I want your life to show it everywhere you go. Guys, maybe you, church, and you seniors, have tried every love that there is. Love of man or relationship. Love of friends. Love of parents. You've tried every love. Maybe it's a love of addiction. Maybe it's a love of this failure that you're stuck in. But you've tried all those other loves and they have let you down. I'm asking you to trust in the one that is never going to forsake you. And as hard as it is, you have a church family that is here. So my charge to you and my charge to this church is to pray for the seniors. And seniors, my charge to you is to trust in God. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't know what that is. Submit to him in all your ways. And he'll make your path straight. Oh, and call your parents. They'll miss you. Says Maggie's mom. I love you. It's been an honor being your student pastor. I'm proud of each and every one of you. Um, It's like I could go on and on and on and on. You're an awesome group of students. You've stayed the course. You've been consistent. You've been leaders. You're on the worship team. You show your character on ball fields. You show your character when you're not in this place. You make impacts wherever you go. So I'm proud of each and every one of you, and I thank God every day. And I cannot wait to look over this way. And I see you sitting there because, man, this is a... Can we give this a hand? Can you just... just want what's best for you guys. And I know what's best for you is not me. It's not Jimbo. Him. It's always going to be Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. And a lot of times, Lord, we know, and if we're being honest, we like to control things. We like to think that we're giving you a break. My God, let us not miss it this morning. Trusting in you is the greatest thing that we could ever do. 
It is the greatest love story ever written that our mind cannot comprehend at times of how you love us so much, even in our failures that we live in a lot of times. You've already forgotten and you're moving ahead because you can see things from the beginning. And that's why we can't understand it because we have limited vision looking through human eyes. So we submit to you and trust in you to make our path straight, to just lean back and enjoy your love because it's better than any love that we've ever known. Help us to live that this morning because without you, we can't. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.